0: They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers here on this January third, Feast of Saint Francis Xavier. December, December. December third. Good morning, everybody. She's way ahead <laughs> of me. She always is. Am I way ahead or way behind? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's funny.
0: So we are going to start here today
1: with the Gospel of Luke. The reading yeah. for today, for this is our third day of Advent, and this is the readings from daily mass. Just is, so exactly. those are our new listeners, we take the readings of the Gospel for every single day of the mass, and so. You know, we talk about ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. And so there's nothing better than we can do for you is to open up the, the Bible. Exactly. Read exactly. it. So we have a whole whole hour of it here. I hope you're with us
0: and bring your friends along, too. So the reading is from the Gospel of Luke, Luke 10, 21 through 24. Mm-hmm. Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I give you praise, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. For although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the childlike. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Turning to his disciples in private, he said, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I say to you, many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So we ask the Lord to help us to understand here. And I, mm-hmm. I think it's beautiful because it, we had a question this week from a Jehovah Witness about uh, not Jehovah Witness, a friend. This gentleman, he said he has a friend who's a Jehovah Witness. Right. And he said, he said, well, can we know the father without knowing the son? Well, um, let's see here. What did Jesus says? He says, <laughs> uh, all things have been handed over to me by the father. No one knows the son except the father. Oh, and no one knows the father except the son and anyone to whom the son wishes to reveal him. So Luke 10, verse probably 20, uh, about 23 there. It's only the son who reveals to us. We don't know that God is yeah, God's our creator, but we don't know he's our father until we find out he has a son and his son reveals the father to us. So only the son reveals the father. So, no, we can't we can't know any individual person of the trinity without knowing the other persons the father son and holy spirit and yeah we are christians and this is the christian faith from the beginning that god is a trinity of persons this has always been the christ, the faith of the christians this is what jesus christ taught us so you know it's not it's not the father alone is god no the father alone isn't god the father the son and the holy spirit are all equal god there's only one god But in God, there are three divine persons. God is not a solitude unto himself. He's a trinity of persons in communion with one another. He is the first, as it were, St. John Paul II said, the original family because he is father, there is a son, and he has the essence of the family, which is love. So the human family was made to be an image of the unseen God. So Jesus is telling us, and I just love the beginning of this gospel. Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. He rejoices in the Holy Spirit and he says, I give you praise, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the childlike. How many times do we think that it's our wisdom and our learning that is going to make us important before God? It certainly, you know, impresses men, I suppose, but it's not what impresses God. It's the childlike. It's those who know that they depend on God for everything. What is it about a child? A child trusts their parents to provide everything for them if they haven't been spoiled. And they're grateful for everything they receive. And they know that they cannot take care of themselves. And that's what Jesus is referring to. is this attitude before God, our creator who is also our father, our brother Jesus Christ, and the sanctifier, the Holy Spirit, that... Everything we are and have comes from him. Everything that is good comes from him. And he provides for our needs and he will provide for our needs. And we trust him. And so we rejoice in him and we should imitate this and rejoice in the Lord. And, you know, not the prophets, the kings of the Old Testament, the patriarchs. They didn't see the days of the Messiah. Nope. But the apostles did. They got to see the Messiah. And nobody, nobody guessed before it happened that the
1: Messiah would be God
0: himself walking among
1: us. You know, Mary, this passage of the gospel is usually called our Lord's hymn of joy. Yeah. And is also found in, as you know, St. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 to 27. And it's one of those moments when Jesus rejoices to see humble people understanding and accepting the word of God. Humility. And I think, you know, Father Wolfgang, one of our Opus Angelorum priests, is constantly talking about humility, humility, and humility. You want to be a saint? Humble yourself.
0: We hum- exactly. We, we depend on the Lord. And by the way, Father Wolfgang will be here That's at the chapel tonight at. for the Bible study because um, I have to give a talk in Santa Clarita. I promised. Where are you Sar- going to be at? St. Clair's Parish in Santa Clarita. Oh, okay. I promised the Sower group that I would come from yep. seven to nine to speak. And so um, yep. Father Wolfgang is here. He does the he's with the priests who do the work of the holy angels, the orders can and regular of mm-hmm. the Holy Cross. Mm hmm. And so he's gonna give a talk on the angels. So everybody who's local and wants to um, come for Bible study, please come and bring a friend. And Father Wolfgang will teach you how to collaborate with your angels.
1: You know, Mary, today's feast day is St. Francis Xavier, uh, who was one of the seven founders of the Jesuit order with St. Ignatius exactly. of Loyola. Yeah. But one of the things I love is he was a very humble man. Yeah. Think about it. He was educated in Paris, of you know the, the degrees, and he said to himself in reading his life, that we need to go out and share this with our brothers and sisters who don't know right. Jesus. Right. So go out to the missions. Exactly. So when he found that Ignatius had this, St. Ignatius of Loyola, let's go out and you know, conquer the world for Christ, so to right. speak. Right. It really related to him. But one of the things it said is that as he tried to get more people in the universities to go out and be missionaries, he noticed that their response was, no, I'd rather just talk theology and not go out and actually <laughs> introduce people to the person of Christ. And he lamented that. Wow. And I thought about oh. that today. Yeah. We've had people say that, you know, I mean, some, unfortunately, some bishops down in South America, when we had that Amazon Senate, where they said, I haven't baptized a person in 25 years. Jesus mercy. And, you know, wow. St. Francis Xavier, pray for us in our church, Amen. because I want to pray that that zeal that you had, you baptized over yeah. 30,000 people. Yeah returns back to the church yeah. and you know mary i just want to say this bishop fulton sheen's cause for his beatification is being proposed, being postponed right now god knows why you know but we can offer that up and we can pray for fulton sheen's beatification that it be Done because I think he had the zeal of a St. Francis Xavier. Oh, he did. To go out as the, as the propagation of the faith. That's what his job was, to proclaim Jesus to the four corners of the world.
0: Yeah. If you haven't read his autobiography, Treasures and Clay, you ought to read it. He has some of the greatest stories of evangelizing people in the most unseemly of circumstances. Yeah. And he again, he was humble. You know, he had <clears throat> he came to he used to knock on doors and right. he knocked on this lady's door and she said, Well, you can talk to me, but you can't you can't be here when my son in law gets home because he doesn't like Catholics. And and so she he was coming back on a regular basis and one day he happened to be there when the son in law got home from work. Uh oh. And um the son in law walked in the door and he had a wrench in his hand and he said, Oh, look what the dogs brought in and he threw the wrench at Bishop Sheen's mm. head mm. And Bishop Sheen ducked it, (laughs) and uh, you know he didn't. And he said, "Oh, yes, I'll leave. No problem. I'm leaving." But before I go, I have a question for you. You're a mechanic, right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm the best mechanic. He said, "Well, if I had a Studebaker and it was making this sound, and he made some sound, what what would I need to do?" Well, now the guy starts talking about engines and fixing cars, and and all of a sudden, you know, oh, you're not such a bad guy, you know, and. And he says, Bishop Sheen established a rapport with this man. That's right. <laughs> it's, the guy threw a wrench at his head. How many of us would have walked out and said, I'm what like, a jerk, you know? I'm out of here. Shake the dust off my feet from this. And, and no, Bishop Sheen just simply ducked the, the the wrench so it didn't hit him. And then he said, oh, by the way, if I had a Studebaker and it made this noise, what would you do about it? What would be the solution? He, he appealed to the man mm-hmm. where in the one area that was the man was passionate about. Yeah. Fixing cars. You got it. And you know what? Bishop Sheen was able to eventually bring that man into the church. And it just, do we have that yeah. zeal?
1: And the funny part about it at the party after the baptism, <laughs> Bishop Sheen asked the guy, or the guy asked Bishop Sheen, hey, Bishop Sheen, where is that Baker you talked to me about when I first met you? <laughs> Bishop Sheen says, I didn't say I have one. I just said, what happens if a Baker <laughs> had that noise? And you know, Jeff, um, uh, Mary, Mary, one more quick thing. When Bishop Sheen... I was having open heart surgery in 1977. This is not in Treasure and Clay. There was a woman who was dying in the next room over, and the doctors were talking about losing her. She's gonna die. Wow. And Bishop Sheen, with you know very very weak, he raised his hand and gave the lady an apostolic blessing. pardon and yeah. blessing
0: from where from where he was from where
1: he was on the on the operating table. Yeah, but you see, that's the kind of zeal we need to come back in our church. Right. Because that's how the gospel is going to be spread right. when we have when we're passionate about Jesus and his church. And we need to bring it back. Mary, mm-hmm. when we come back, I'm going to just talk a little bit about Advent. But what are we going to be talking about? Is it Romans? Well, we're going to talk about Advent. And I do want to my question
0: of the week here has yeah. to do with the first okay. chapter of the gospel of John. And again, this gentleman who's been emailing me in regarding to his friend who's a Jehovah Witness. Yeah, that's right. And some of the questions that come up and in, in regards to how do we properly interpret scripture mm-hmm. and i you know it's funny how that all relates to advent amen and I, this is what Great. i want us to understand today is is how this all relates to advent what is advent about what are we trying to do here
1: awesome. what is our purpose awesome so, so when we come back we'll talk about that and i also have something about it didn't need to, to read the gospels we need to read the life of jesus like it's a letter that he is writing to us personally mm-hmm. As his friend I just love that yeah. comment about it's an Advent. Yeah So you're listening to The Bible with the Barbers If you want to hear any of the podcasts Go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org Get yourself a cup of coffee Because we're going to prepare you For Advent It is the coming of the Lord With Advent Don't turn that dial We'll be right back
0: Now back to Bible with the Barbers if you have a question or comment, call 888 Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, Welcome back here to Bible with the Barbers. And we're going to look here at the prologue of the Gospel of John. Not the whole thing, but part of it. Oh, and yeah. um, it, it's rich. It's extremely rich. And it's interesting. John begins his gospel
1: in the beginning. And this is the gospel of love. That's what we call the gospel of John. No.
0: Yes, it is. Yeah, the I just gospel love that. Of love. And and the deal is. He's, that's John's emphasis, is uh-huh. God's love. Yeah. Uh, this is, the fact that God became man is, is a testimony mm-hmm. to the, the amount of love he has for us. But in the beginning, that's the exact same way the Bible starts out. John is deliberately connecting his gospel to the beginning when God first reveals, when God first creates, all right? Because this is the new creation. In Christ, there's a new creation. So what do we have here in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Mm -hmm. Now what's interesting is there is a denomination out there who translates this passage to say in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was a God. There's a problem with that. First of all, if you say the word was a God, you're saying there how many gods? You're giving multiplicity of God's. Um, But but the deal is, what does the Greek actually say? Okay, in the Greek it says, and I don't have the Greek in front of me, but the Greek actually, the literal Greek says, and God was the word. Mm -hmm. And yes, there is a definite article in Greek, and the definite article, when you have a sentence that says, okay, you have two nouns in the sentence, the noun with the definite article is the subject of the sentence. So, even though the word order of the Greek is, and God was the word, the actual subject of that sentence was, the word is the subject of the sentence because the word is what has the definite article. So, the word was God is the proper way to translate it. And what it's saying is that the word is the same essence, he's the same substance as God and so he's God he is God and and it goes on I mean the, the gospel the the prologue goes on he was with God in the beginning and all things were made through him and without him was not made anything that was made in him was life and life for the, his life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it and he Becomes flesh and that's what the prologue goes on to tell us the word becomes flesh. So you have this connection to creation. And after creation man sins and you have the first promise of redemption, right? And now John is showing you the new creation and the new creation is in Christ. But Christ is God. He is of one substance with the father. And this is the, you know, the revel, the New Testament reveals to us the fullness of the identity of God and his Godhead. In the Old Testament, God had to insist on his oneness because every pagan religion around the Jews worshiped multiplicity of gods. So God insisted on his oneness because he is one. There is only one God. But there are three divine persons in God, and that was reserved for when the Son would become man and reveal the Father to us. Again, we can't fully know the Father if we don't know the Son because only the Son can reveal him. So the son reveals him. And so the, Jeho- the Jehovah witness, when they change, it's interesting because whenever a doctrine of theirs doesn't coincide with the scripture, instead of changing their doctrine, they change the scripture. And so there's this difficulty. That doesn't, you don't beat them up. You don't have to beat anybody up. Just invite them to really study the Greek deeply and understand the Greek. Because in the Greek, it does not say the word was a God. That's not what it says at all. It says God was the word, but because the word has the, the definite article comes before word, then that is the subject of the sentence. The word was God. So yes, the word is truly God. And so how does this connect to Advent? Well, what is Advent all about? This joyful anticipation of what? the fulfillment of the promise that was made to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3:15 when God said I will put enmity between thee and the woman when he was speaking to the serpent and it will crush your head and the oh excuse me I will put enmity between thee and the woman between her seed and your seed it will crush your head while you lie in wait for its heel and so the enmity is between the devil and the woman, why the woman? Because the woman is the bearer of Christ. She brings the God-man to the, to the world. And this is John's gospel, that Jesus Christ was not born of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but he was begotten by God. He is the only son of the Father. Mm-hmm. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the Father has made him known. So that this is part of the prologue, that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, begotten from all eternity, begotten, not made. He's one with the Father, and he becomes man, and it is he who makes the Father known to us. And this Advent time is a time of joyful anticipation of Christ. We're coming to know Jesus Christ, and we're coming, and we should be in union with Mary during Advent, Mm. anticipating the birth of Christ. So, you know, people say things like, oh, well, you know, Lent's a time of penance, but Advent, this is a time of joyful expectation. We're not celebrating Christmas yet, people. We're celebrating Advent, a happy and holy Advent to you. We should be singing Advent carols. We are looking forward to the coming of Christ. We're
1: not celebrating. Give His- us a couple songs of uh, Advent songs that you would sing to me, I know, over the years, just so that they know. <laughs> that. Um, I threw her on the spot. He's yeah, really,
0: like, oh my gosh. But you know why I the say big, that, you know, Oh, come, oh, come, oh, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. That's one. That's one. You know, the oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Oh, come, divine Messiah, the world in silence waits the day. For hope to sing its triumph and sadness flee away i remember that one yeah so we're waiting for the divine messiah we are anticipating his coming you know Mm -hmm. on jordan's bank the baptist cry announces that the lord is nigh i got you he hasn't come yet he's nigh we're waiting so that's why yeah yeah, it's not the same penitential uh atmosphere as lent but it's the same We are trying to empty ourselves of the things of this world Mm. so that we can be empty enough for Christ to come and fill us. If we're filled up with the things of this world, if we're saying Merry Christmas from now until Christmas and filling ourselves up with Christmas cookies and Christmas goodies and Christmas cheer, when Christmas Day comes, we're going to be satiated and bloated and actually, you know, it's, it's this type of spiritual gluttony as well as could be physical gluttony going on here. This isn't what this is about. This season is that season of joyful anticipation where we empty ourselves of the things of this world, beginning with our own preconceived notions, our own attachment to our own will, our own attachment to sin. We need to empty ourselves of these things so that we can be filled with Christ when Christmas comes. So that on Christmas morning, our hearts will be a beautiful place for Jesus to come. A place empty of attachments to the things of this world. First of all, our own ideas. You know what like what it said in the gospel? It's not the wise and the learned to whom Christ reveals things. It's the simple. So pray for humility this, mm. this Advent and pray for the grace to be open to receive all that God wants to give at Christmas. We're celebrating Advent. We're waiting that joyful anticipation of the coming of the Lord. Prepare your hearts. Go through your missalette and look for the Advent hymns. Sing them and pray
1: over them. Can I make a suggestion? That is uh, keep a small ju- Advent journal. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, and every day, take a minute to write down the different moments when you felt God's loving presence during the course of your day because I'm going to tell you, an attitude of gratitude is welcome just about everywhere. And when you write your reflections, uh, look back on those reflections because sometimes you need to write things down because you know if you just put it in your head, it goes in one ear and out the other or you hear something. But a journal is a good thing for Advent and I might add even for lent too but putting down your thoughts i know mary you're a big promoter of that and i've done that when i was a younger man that i still have journals so just a recommendation and again remember this that when you read these gospels that we're reading for advent remember to read them the life of jesus like it's a letter that he's writing to you personally as his friends ask him to speak to you from his word so when we learn to read this way we feel how close he is to us we sense his love and his care we become aware that he is walking with us on this journey of our life i think that sometimes we forget to realize that if god stopped thinking about you you would cease to exist
0: exactly that's how much he loves us exactly he's constantly aware of us are we constantly do we strive to be constantly aware of him and his Mm -hmm. presence and we need to to do this to foster this presence of god Mm -hmm. so walk with our blessed mother through this advent we need to strive mm. to walk with her Amen. and anticipate the coming of the lord and that means let's wait for christmas for the celebration yeah you know happy advent holy advent sing the advent carols in your home practice them at home so that when you go to church you can sing them and meditate on them and trust that the lord wants to fill you with his presence it's beautiful there was um an article about depression and all the depression in our world. And um, this, this man said he was just struggling with depression. He went to confession and the priest said, do this, I want you to meditate on something. Meditate on the passage in scripture where Jesus is walking across the water to the boat. Mm -hmm. And Peter says, well, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to get out of the boat and come to you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Guess what, Peter, it's really me. Mm -hmm. Get out of the boat and come to me. So Peter starts walking on the water and suddenly he perceives the wind and the waves and he begins to sink. And he's crying out, Lord, save me. Okay, so picture yourself at that moment. This is what you feel like in your depression. I'm sinking, I'm drowning, and I'm reaching out my hand. But is he really going to take hold of it? Is he really going to save me? Yes, he's there. He wants to take hold of your hand. One of the problems when we get into the depression is because we look at the wind and the waves. Mm. We take our eyes off the Lord. There are lots of causes of depression. So it doesn't mean necessarily you Mm -hmm. took your eyes off the Lord because you're depressed, but focus yourself on the Lord and know and and trust him. Yes, Lord, I'm sinking, but I know that you will save me. I know that you're not gonna let me be drowned in these waves and and picture that in your mind use your, you were supposed to use our imagination when we pray so this is one of the big the, the revolution of St Ignatius of Loyola yeah. for which some people want to call him a heretic what do you mean use your imagination in your prayer yeah employ every faculty of your body in prayer that's why we kneel sometimes that's why we sit sometimes that's why we you know sing out loud or pray out loud our ears our eyes our mouth our, to to picture the lord in our in our imagination to imagine him there with us and loving us and reaching out to us as we're sinking in the waves. And I'm, you know, I'm a terrified of water. I don't know how to swim. Mm-hmm. And here I am. What was I walking on the water for?
1: Trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Trust in him. Well said. And I'm going to give one more recommendation I've been doing on the Terry and Jesse show. Robert Cardinal Seurat, his book, yes. The Day is Now, far Spent Far for my advent, I've been reading the book. It's from Ignatius Press. And I just love what he's saying to me about my relationship with Christ. And, you know, he talks about the scandals. And don't let the scandals get in your way with Jesus Christ. He says, if you're a bishop or priest isn't a saint, be a saint for them. You <laughs> were called to be saints. I love that. Hey, when we come back, we'll have more with the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. This is Giving Tuesday. You want to make a donation? Call 877 526 215 or go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org we'll be right back
0: this is jesse romero you're listening to bible with the barbers on virgin most powerful radio with the idea of praying
1: welcome back to the bible with the barbers my staff upstairs just said read this script terry i'm being honest with you i love it. it says uh In the spirit, and I love this, in the spirit of Giving Tuesday, we at Virgin Most Powerful Radio want to give you a gift to say thank you for your support. With a donation today of $50 or more, I'm going to give you a signed copy of my book, best-selling book, How to Share Your Faith with Anyone, and the accompanying accompanying DVD, Praying praying, with the the Idea of of Praying It Forward, go to Twitter or Facebook. You know, you can visit uh, org and sign up and register. And your email, just click it and donate the link or call 877-526-2151. You know what I say too? I won't be able to talk to the people if they do that. If you call me after the show at 661-972-7872, that's my cell number. Yeah, <laughs> call me and I'd love to chat with you. This this holiday season don't be too stressed to be blessed. Be too blessed to be, to be stressed by sharing the gift of faith. God love you in full sheen ahead, Mary.
0: Amen, amen. There you go, I did it. Yeah, and so, and again, Mr. Engineer always has great ideas for us, and he mentions something, that's it's true. You know, Advent is a season, yeah. and it's a season. We have four Sundays in Advent. This year, Advent started on December 1st, so we have um, 24 days of Advent, right. but it's a season. And so Christmas is a season also and Christmas begins with Christmas Eve mass, December 24th, -hmm. the vigil mass for Christmas. And Christmas continues all the way through Epiphany. Okay, so it's not just Christmas isn't over on Christmas Day. And that's this is the difficulty when we start celebrating Christmas too soon. We miss Christmas because we're supposed to celebrate Advent, prepare for Christmas so that then we can enter into the joy of the coming of the Lord and celebrate Christmas with the fullness of Christmas. Christ Mass. That's it. I love by that. By the way, that was yeah. Bishop, um, excuse me, Father Raymond, the 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 Jesuit turned yeah. Trappist, yeah. who wrote God a Woman in the Way oh, great and, and Love Does Such Things. You can look online for those books out of print and see if you can get copies of them. Awesome, awesome. Books. He wrote some really great books. He, he's written quite a few. But anyway, so so remember to celebrate Advent as a, a time of joyful anticipation, and then ask the Lord to prepare our hearts to receive Him at Christmas time and then celebrate Christmas. Let's stay with the Lord, you know, and walk those that whole infancy narrative, you know, his Bethlehem and the and the circumcision and the presentation mm. and and, you know, the flight into Egypt <laughs> after the, the visit of the you have the visit of the um, shepherds and the visit of the, the wise men. But then you have the flight into Egypt too. And uh, so we want to celebrate it fully, keep it, you know, keep it, keep it real and keep it according to what the Lord wants. Amen. So we're in the third chapter of the book of Romans here. And Paul is talking about in the end of chapter two, he was talking about the Jewish law. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so what advantage the Jews have? Well, they did have an advantage, he said, because. What they have, they were entrusted with the oracles of God. But again, they were supposed to bring God to the nations. This is what we're supposed to be doing. St. Francis Xavier teaches, you know, this is his feast day today. What did he want to do? He wanted to bring God to the nations. Advent, this is what we're doing. Prepare the nations to receive the Lord. So we need to do this. So they go on. Well, now, were all the Jews faithful? What if some were unfaithful? Does there faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of god (laughs) and paul is telling us no absolutely not god is absolutely faithful and he will be true though every man be false god will never be unfaithful so god never rejected the jews everybody we're supposed to be praying for the conversion of all the jews still so that they have the fullness of the faith that god wanted to give them Mm -hmm. okay so it's interesting because paul goes on to talk about well you know our wickedness is going to show forth the justice of God. So then some people were falsely saying, well, then I should do evil so that good may come of it. Because that's what Paul's teaching. Because he says, our wickedness shows forth the justice of God. So obviously it somehow glorifies God. And it's like, no, he didn't say that. And by the way, this is where we get the teaching that, no, you can never do an evil so that good will come of it. Any action you choose must be at least morally neutral, preferably morally good. Mm Mm-hmm. And then your intention must be morally good in order for the action to be good. You could do a morally good action with a bad intention. Mm-hmm. You can do a morally neutral action with a bad intention. You know, I want to go for a walk. Well, what's the intention of your walk? To get exercise. Well, good, you know, to, to, to say hi to all my neighbors. Good. Um, actually, I'm going down the street to rob the bank. Uh, well, you know what? Your morally neutral action just became morally evil. That's right. Okay. So we want to make sure that we're in the right order with God. And and Paul goes on and he talks about none is righteous now. And what's interesting is he gives you a whole series of quote in Romans three verses 10 through verse 18. He gives you a series of quotes from the Old Testament Mm -hmm. where it says, None is righteous, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have gone wrong. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongue to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Ah! It's a mouthful. Oh my gosh, the world's falling apart and everybody's going to hell. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> what's interesting about this is he's mentioning the senses, isn't he? You know, their mouths, their tongue, their lips, their eyes, their feet. It, it, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, our bodies. <laughs> now, sin is not in the body, it's in the will. But you know what? Our bodies become a party to the sin mm-hmm. when we consent to the sin. So yeah, it, it, it's our... Our bodies do good or do evil according to what we choose with our will. So be careful what we choose with our will. Now, when he says no one is good, is he saying that there's absolutely nobody? Or is he saying that people from every nation, we're all sinners, we're all in this together, we've all sinned. Right. You know, Is he saying that Jesus Christ sinned? No, he's not. Jesus Christ was fully righteous and he never sinned. And the Blessed Mother never sinned by a special grace because she is the mother of God. So it's not that everyone, as in every individual person, has totally turned away from God. It's that every nation has turned away from God. And we all are sinners together and we need to turn back to the Lord.
1: I think your story of Fulton Sheen uh, communicates that well because storytelling is what we do. And that's a story about Bishop Sheen at the prison yeah. communicating that we're all sinners. <laughs> Why don't you share that?
0: Right. Bishop Sheen had to talk to the prisoners and he's thinking, these guys aren't going to listen to me. Nope. They're going to see me in my, you know, my priestly garb. And they're going to say, Psh, what do you know about anything? Mm-hmm. What did you ever have to suffer? What did you ever, you know, when did you ever have hard knocks in life? Mm. And so he said, what, Lord, what can I say to them? How can I reach these men? Mm. And he got up on the stage to, you know, up on the, whatever it was that where he was going to speak from and. And he said, gentlemen, there's only one difference between you and I. You got caught. Amen. <laughs> I
1: didn't. <laughs> We're all sinners. And that was it. And there was 2,000 um, prisoners. He related to them instantly, instantly by saying that. And I think that's, that's the bottom line. We're all sinners, but we have a solution. And his name is Jesus Christ. And that we all can receive the forgiveness but we don't get that forgiveness on our own, do we? No, we don't. And that's what Paul's
0: talking about here. He says, we've all fallen short of the glory Mm. of God, but we are justified by his grace as a gift Mm. through the redemption, which is in Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as an expiation by his blood to be received in faith. So we have Christ and we have the redemption that he brought us Mm -hmm. and Paul, it's not, it's not what we do that justifies us, okay? So Paul, he talks about the, you know, the Jews had the law and they had the works of the law. Well, what is he referring to? One interpretation of St. Augustine was that he's referring to the whole entire Mosaic law, including the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. And the other is that he's referring to the, the Jewish ceremonial laws, dietary laws, circumcision, and those kind of things, which were provisional. And the reality is that he's referring to both, but understood in the proper context. So what is, what is it that we're supposed to do here? So we have, um, the initial justification for us mm-hmm. comes through baptism. There you go. That's a gift. I did nothing to earn it. We cannot earn our salvation from God. We can't earn our justification. We couldn't do anything. We couldn't pay the price for our sins. Why did God himself have to become man? Because no man could pay the price to God for the offense that was committed. God is God and we are not. And the offense committed against him was an infinite offense that no human person could make any gift sufficient to repay to God the offense that was committed. And so God himself, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, took to himself a human nature so that in that nature he could actually suffer. And as the second person of the Blessed Trinity, offer expiation to the Father that would be sufficient. And so it's not the works of the law, even the following the Ten Commandments that justifies us. It's the gift of God that he gives us in his son, Jesus Christ, by giving us his grace and his mercy.
1: And we have to realize this, something that I realized when I was a young man, Mary, and that is that Jesus Christ would have died on the cross, suffered the, uh, the passion, if it was just for me or for you. Exactly. That, to me, really made me realize that Jesus Christ loves me. Personally. 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 Look in the mirror and say this.
0: If I am the only sinner in the world, Jesus would have become man to save me. Yes. He loves us that and it's that personal. It's a one on one individual. Yeah, God sees us all at once, but he sees us each individually and he loves us each individually as beloved. It's it's amazing. And it's like, yeah, that right, it takes a God to do that. We can't do that. We're human. By the grace of God, though, we can come, we can begin to approach this concern for our brothers and sisters like St. Francis Xavier who went to the ends of the world. He went to the Orient. He went to Asia Mm -hmm. and all the way to Japan to try and bring Christ to those who didn't know him. So yeah, we've fallen short of the glory of God, but Jesus Christ has brought us redemption. And it's not because of anything we did. That was offered to us before we had done anything.
1: I want to thank you again for those who just donated for uh, the Giving Tuesday by calling 877-526-2151 or going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. We'll have more with the Bible with the Barbers right after this short, quick break.
0: Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, Call triple eight five two six twenty one fifty one. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back here. We're gonna finish up the last session here, section, excuse me, section of this this show. And we're talking about Romans chapter three right now and and about the fact that no one's righteous and righteousness comes through faith, that God is God has given this as a free gift to us. You know, when when Adam and Eve sinned, God could have said, You're done. I'm done with you, forget it. You're gonna live a natural life. You'll have nothing but a natural life and a natural end. Um, but he didn't. God didn't do that. And so he sent his son to bring us back into union with himself so that he could share with us his own life. And, you know, Paul Paul writes here in Romans three twenty eight, For we hold that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. What's interesting is Martin Luther added the word alone in there because he said, well, that's what he meant. Well, is that what he meant? He said, you're justified by faith apart from works of the law. Well, uh, in other words, we don't earn God's love. We don't have to. We couldn't possibly do that. God loves us independent of that. And it is God who justifies us by giving us his grace. All right. So if you read, don't just read one passage of Paul or one letter of Paul. Read the whole thing because Catholic theology has always taught that the faith doesn't that faith itself that faith doesn't act alone okay faith is um reaches out with hope for divine mercy and love for the lord so faith hope and love go together remember paul will say that in corinthians in the end there are three things that last faith hope and love by the way and the greatest of these is love charity is the greatest that's the greatest of the spiritual gifts okay but faith manifests itself in the lives of the believers through obedience through love and good works. So in you can, you can you know, Romans 1, 5, the obedience of faith, Galatians 5, 6, love, and the good works, Ephesians two ten And then again, that's in other um, faith and works. You can look at James 2. Uh, very clear in, in the letter to James, one of the reasons why Martin Luther didn't want it to be part of scripture is because James says, show me your faith, which has no works. And and I'll show you the faith that underlies my works because faith without works is dead. So our faith will lead to the works, but it's not the works of the law that justify us. It's not the works of the law that earn nothing. Jesus Christ earned God's love for us in terms of brought us back into union. It's not earned. We didn't have to earn. God loved us. God, God loved us into being by the way, God is love. He is, he's love. That's what he is. And he loved us into being, and if he didn't love us, we wouldn't exist. And if he didn't continue to love us, we wouldn't continue to exist. So it's not something we earn, it's a free gift. So do we accept it as a free gift? And this is what Advent is about. Are we willing to take that free gift, and this is what we're supposed to be doing in Advent, taking that free gift and sharing it with others. Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. Come Lord Jesus, come. Come Lord Jesus, come. Constantly this should be refrain should run through our minds and our hearts and our whole being. We should desire and long for and look for the coming of the Lord. And so Paul goes on in Romans to give us the example of Abraham. So what about Abraham? He's our forefather. Well, for the Jews, he's their forefather according to the flesh. But for us Gentiles, he's our forefather according to the faith. Because Abraham was justified by works. Was It says, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast of. For what does the scripture said? Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Okay, so it was reckoned to him. I mean, if you do a work, your wages are your due. What's given to you as a free gift is not your due. So Abraham was, his righteousness was given to him by God because he believed. And that was before he was circumcised. So it wasn't the act of circumcision that made it. It was belief in God. But his belief in God led him to an action. And that action was that he was willing to obey God, the obedience of faith, and perform the surgery of circumcision as the sign of the covenant. So the, the sign of the covenant is, is a sign. And we're willing to do something to show that we are willing to give up the things of this world. Our, our own comfort, our own ease, our own preconceived notions in order to follow God's way, right? And by the way, you know, some people say, well, Catholics think that they're saved by their own efforts, by their works, right? Well, read the Council of, De- of Trent in 1547. The Council of Trent decreed that a man, by his own effort and works, can never merit the initial grace of justification that makes him a child of God and a member of the new covenant. This grace is an entirely free gift from Jesus Christ conferred in baptism. So it's not our works that justify us, and the Catholic Church has never taught that it is our works that justify us, but our works show that we have accepted the grace of God because when we receive the grace of God, it moves us to action What did Jesus, when he described the last judgment, I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison and you visited me. When Lord, whenever you did it for the least of my brethren and to the ones who will be condemned for all eternity, he said out of my sight because I was hungry and you wouldn't give me to eat. And I was thirsty and you wouldn't give me to drink. And I was naked and you wouldn't clothe me. And I was sick and in prison and you wouldn't visit me. And I was homeless and you wouldn't shelter me. When, Lord, whenever you refuse to do it for the least of your brothers, you refuse to do it for me. So when we work, our justification is a free gift. It's a, it's a grace, okay? And so it's not nothing. God doesn't owe anything to us because he gave us justification. He gives us his grace. He initiates the, the, um, the process we in turn should respond to him by turning to him in love and doing as he does by pouring out blessings and, and goodness and beauty and truth upon those around us. So Paul is stressing that righteousness is, is a gift from God. This is a gift from God, okay? And he's not implying the gift is, is merely imputed to us. It's not just it's not just that we're dung hills covered over with snow that God just covers us with his grace and ignores all the evil inside of us. No, actually what happens is that the divine when God imputes to us this this righteousness we're actually made righteous in Christ. That it changes who we are. You know, there's a saying that goes around today, Christians aren't different, they're just forgiven. Well, you know, the reality is, as Christians are different because they are forgiven. Because we've been forgiven, we no longer live in sin. We turn to the Lord. All the law, the law never gave us the power. The Old Testament never gave us the power to overcome sin. But Jesus Christ does. In Christ, we have the power to overcome sin in our life on our own, by pulling us up our own selves up by our bootstraps so that I can take pride in all. Oh, well, I never sinned. Well that's a sin because that's pride. You know It's like, Lord, if you if, if I'm not in the state of grace, put me in the state of grace and if I'm in the state of grace, keep me in the state of grace. It is God's gift to us. Grace is his gift to us, but it changes us from within. We no longer remain dunghills. <laughs> we become transformed and by the way, transformed into a living image of Jesus Christ himself. We become sons in the Son. We are sons of God in the Son, His very own, you know, unbegotten with the Father from all eternity. Jesus Christ is Lord, but the second person of the Blessed Trinity, the Word of God, is present with the Father from all eternity. Jesus Christ, His human nature was created at a specific point in time, and He takes that human nature and unites it to His Godhead so that He can, in His human nature, not only give us an example, but actually redeem everything in man, redeem everything that was wounded by sin because he took to himself a human nature and he really is united to the father. He's really God. He is the second person, the blessed Trinity. He's only one person. Jesus Christ is not two persons. He's one person with two natures. He has a human nature and a divine nature, but he's one divine person One in being with the Father, of one substance with the Father. So this justification in Christ is a free gift that we didn't merit. We couldn't possibly merit it. But God himself made a way to renew man, to restore man. Because when God created us, he created us in a state of grace. Adam and Eve were made immaculate. They weren't immaculately conceived because they weren't conceived. They were immaculately created without sin in perfect union with God. And then they let their trust in God die in their heart and they turned away from him. And they decided, I want to decide what's good and evil. And isn't that what's going on in our world today? We want to decide. We don't want to accept anymore that God made man in his own image, male and female. He created them. No, we want to recreate humankind in a different mode we want to make something different than what god made we don't want to humble ourselves before the lord anymore and accept the gift that he gave by the way we are a gift a gift to ourselves and to each other god made us for our own sake so that we could know love and serve him and be in union with him but he made man male and female and that's it you're either a male or a female and you were born that way and I'm sorry for all the wounds, and I mean it. I understand the pain and the suffering that people go through because they were neglected or molested as infants. And that's why so many people who have same-sex attraction think that they were born that way. Because the, the disruption that took place in their psyche and in their physical being and their emotions occurred at an age when they hadn't even age, reached the age of reason yet. So they were never aware of any other thing other than this disruption. But you'll never find happiness pursuing what you are not. You know, if you're a man and you're trying to be a woman, you're not gonna, it's not gonna make you happy. If you're a woman and you're trying to be a man, it's not gonna make you happy. If you're a man or a woman and you're not sure if you're a man or a woman and you're trying to pursue both, that's not gonna make you happy either. What makes you free and what makes you happy is to become who you are. Children of God made in God's images, persons to be loved. Given the grace of God, because his son became man and raised human beings out of the mire of sin, back up to union with himself. We're called to give up sin and to live a life of grace in union with God. And we, as we anticipate the coming of Christmas, we ask God to make us aware of who we are before him, of this righteousness and justification he's given us. And to be grateful for that and to submit ourselves in humility, the obedience of faith, hope, and love. So it's Giving Tuesday. If you can make a gift, thank you. You can pray for us. That's a, a great gift. The biggest gift you can give. Please remember us in your prayer. Call 877 2151 And thanks to those who have already given this day. A lot of great donations have come in. May God richly reward you and bless you. Thank you for joining us. Remember tonight, Bible study will be Father Wolfgang talking about the angels. Come in here.